1: Welcome to this edition of the National Football Show with your boy, Dan Silio. Can you smell it? We're getting closer and closer to the weekend, which means hamburgers and sausages. (laughs) Little Italian eyes there for you. Oh, my God. Memorial Day weekend. Is that not the best? Oh, Fourth of July. Memorial Day weekend. Labor Day weekend. I can't wait. To be with the family again, be at a beach, having a fun time with my friends, no freaking mask, none of that stuff, just fun. Getting back to the way Americans used to celebrate these fantastic holidays. And by the way, I want to make sure we always say this, especially during a week like this with Memorial Day weekend coming up. If you see a military person this week, please do me a favor. Go over and thank them for their service for our country and all the things they do in protecting our civil rights, the police, everybody. It's so important this week to recognize the people that protect America and serve our great country. Red, white, and blue. You know, people always ask me, Big Sills, what's your political affiliation? Oh, man, you want to know the party Big Sills is with? I'm with the United States of America Party. I root for America. That's what I root for. I root for the best Americans and the people that serve this country. You guys are the true heroes. You guys are the true people that has made this country what it is. All right, let's get into our sandbox here. In the world of football, there's so much stuff going on. And, you know, to piggyback off of what I just said a little bit here, I got to throw some love out to J.J. Watt. You know, I'm going to get maybe a little bit emotional here on this here because I was friends with Pat Tillman. Got to give you a little bit of the background with my relationship with Pat. Back in the day when I was working in the Bay Area and radio, I worked at a station that had the broadcast rights for the Stanford Cardinal. And I was hired by Tyrone Willingham to do sideline. It was one of my very first jobs I ever had in working a sideline. I had never done it before. And Tyrone Willingham, who was the then head football coach, said, how about Cilio doing it? Sure enough, you know, I said, absolutely. I'd love to work with Jim Plunkett. Bob Murphy and with Tyrone Willingham you know Ty gave me some parameters don't talk about injuries on the sidelines make sure I understand who you're going to if you're going to ask any questions to a player no problem coach all good we had a really great relationship and in that process he would tell me about the opposing players that they would play against in the Pac-12 you know this guy really is phenomenal at Southern Cal. Man, he's great. You got to talk to this guy at Arizona, and you also have to talk to this guy at Arizona State. So I did sidelines for a couple of years, and every time Arizona State, we would play, Ty was always like, you got to go over and talk to Pat Tillman. You got to get over there. And at this time, I was working on my radio show and my radio career. I was doing a shift at night. It was called Sports Phone 68 on KMBR. And I started broadcasting, you know, every night, and I started building up my Rolodex that you see with these great people that come on our program. We're so lucky that over the years that we've built these phenomenal relationships with people that they have always said yes, and very few have said no coming on the program. So through this process, I got a chance to become friends with Pat Tillman, and it started me being a sideline reporter at Stanford. So I'd see him, he'd come up, give me a high five. And then sure enough, over the years and through the years, as my show progressed, his career progressed and we became friends. And so I would get him on anytime that the 49ers would take on the Cardinals, you know, we would have him on the show and he was just such a spectacular guy. I'll never forget when we had him on the night that he had decided that he was going to leave the National Football League, and this was after the buildings were dropped in 9-11. And for the record, we're coming up on that 20th anniversary this September that those buildings were dropped. And this is what inspired Pat Tillman to go and serve his country. They had just signed him to a contract, the Cardinals, and they had given him a raise. He was going to make over a million dollars a year. And Pat was he was a good player. He was a special teams guy. He was kind of a guy you just plugged into places that you need on that Cardinal team. He was getting better and better and better, and he eventually would have became a starter, and that's what the Cardinals saw in him. The Bidwells loved him then, the owners of the team. So I asked him, I go, why are you giving this all up? He goes, did you not see what happened on 9-11? And I'm paraphrasing this, and he's like, I, I just couldn't let what happened in September go, I had to do something. I had to make an impact. I'm like, damn. You know, I've always thought of this to this day. Would I give up my career or would you? Because you had such convictions about a cause. You know, you see these professional athletes today and the protesting that goes on and the political stances that they make. Would they give up their careers? And most importantly, would you give up your life? Would you sacrifice your life for your cause? And Pat was so adamant about serving his country. I just was like, man, wow, this is just passing millions up. We all know the story and I'm not going to get into the friendly fire stuff. I'm just going to leave it there. And we know that he died serving his country in Afghanistan. That guy was special. Serving his country, loving his country. And every time Memorial day weekend, the day he died, his birthday, I always remember I wasn't exceptionally close but I I was friends. He's just a special guy. My wife lost her brother because of the Afghan conflict. So it kind of means a lot to us this weekend. And then I saw what JJ Watt who's working with the Tillman family are doing this year. They're going to wear special cleats in honor of of the Pat Tillman Foundation to never forget that guy. You know, we celebrate nowadays people with different causes, you know, George Floyd, other folks, Martin Luther King. But for me, Pat Tillman, surrendering his life for his beliefs and his conviction, that's where I fall on. That's. A spectacular moment. Every single time Memorial Day weekend comes up, I think of Pat. Man, would I have that conviction to give up what I love and on top of that, sacrifice my life. So I want to send kudos out to JJ Watt. That is so cool, dude. So dope that you would do that and just give all the great you know, praises and sacrifices to that family and all the people that should be just thinking of how that guy right there, that's a role model. You know, people always ask me, role models? That's a role model. You know, are athletes role models? I don't know. My grandfather was my role model. People that I saw, my priest. You know, I have the same priest for 40 years now. They even guy even married my wife and I. Now, baptized my kid, same guy, pretty loyal like that, so this weekend, like I said, when you see a military person, thank him, and think of Pat Tillman, again, JJ, great stuff, just spectacular, all right, let's move on, you know, this Aaron Rodgers story is, is absolutely going in so many different directions now. That And I I, want to make it very clear here also. All these coaches like Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur that are telling you, holy cow, Jordan Love looks so great. Trey Lance looks so spectacular. These guys are in helmets and shorts. Always remember that. The bullets aren't real here. The action isn't real. You don't have guys coming to try to take these guys' heads off here you got guys playing touch foot. That guy looks on. Un- but Dude, I could get a guy in a gym to look good in helmets and shorts. So it's a smoke job that's going on right now. What you're doing in Green Bay is you're pissing Rodgers off more. God, the ball is just jumping off the hand of Jordan. Dude, shut up. Because then he follows it up. Matt LaFleur saying he's got a long way to go. Did you hear Kyle Shanahan also? Man, Trey Lance is better than what you think. Really? Helmets and shorts. Two practices, you're making that assessment. He's better than I thought. How could you tell, man? You haven't even had a controlled scrimmage yet, and you're telling me that this dude here is better than you thought? Well, man, he really is a good-looking guy in shorts and a helmet. Give me a break, man. Don't be jobbed like that by by these teams. It's coach talk. Well, that guy, man, but you need to do it to build the confidence. What they're doing right now, they're building the confidence of these young players. And by the way, I'm not suggesting to you that it's wrong that they're doing this. I mean, think about this for a second for Jordan Love. Dude, that guy better be good. Because if that's your only leverage piece against Aaron Rodgers, you don't have leverage. You see what the wide receivers did also in these OTAs? They didn't show up. Now, that's a thing. It's one thing for Aaron Rodgers not to show up, having a good time in Hawaii at Luau's, you know, shaking it with the grass skirts on, you know, having a fun time, you know, there at the barbecue pit, all good, drinking Mai Tais. These Mai Tais, I'll be drinking them this weekend. Having a fun time with those Mai Tais. And... you got Jordan. Hey, dude, that guy better be good. But to the point of the receivers now not showing up. You got a thing, man. You know what the receivers are doing in Green Bay? They're showing loyalty and more loyalty to the quarterback than they are the front office. That's a thing. Hey, do I think these guys are going to miss the training camp in July? I don't think that. But they're definitely sending a shot across the bow right now. And they're telling Mark Murphy and everyone in that front office, the GM included, hey, guy, we actually agree with him. There is a fundamental issue going on in Green Bay. And Aaron Rodgers, unlike Brett Favre, has the onions to address it. Favre would never address it. Rodgers is addressing it. You're crappy at relationships with your star quarterback, and you don't know how to build a championship team. You got to remember this. Green Bay is always going to be good, but they're not going to be spectacular like the rest of these franchises that are trying to win. You think Green Bay's really trying to win a championship? They're resting on the arm of Aaron Rodgers. They rested on the arm of Brett Favre. Hey, I could say the same thing at Indianapolis, but at least they had Marvin Harrison. Reggie Wayne, Edger James, Marshall Falk, Dallas Clark, an offensive line that was intact for 10 years. Tom Moore, the offensive coordinator, who was there a decade as well. At least that franchise with the Ursays were actually trying to win and put talent around Peyton Manning. You were just in the era of Brady, just like Phil's in the era of Tiger. Or Carl Malone is in the era of Jordan. It happens. You run into somebody. Clyde Drexler also ran into the era of Jordan. There's always one dude that's on the top shelf, and you're a shelf down. And Aaron Rodgers is the first guy with the onions to go like this. Dude, I, I, you know, they're not trying to win. They have a fundamental flaw in how they do things. What's the point on pissing all over your star quarterback? What's the positive to that? I want to give you a story that I heard today. So I was listening to Alex Smith on one of the talk shows. And this goes into exactly what Green Bay doesn't get. And I'm going to tie it into the Buccaneers with Brady too. When I heard this, I was floored. So Alex Smith now... I'm assuming is now going to be retired from what I understand. He was also asked if he wanted to try to make a go of it down in Jacksonville with urban Meyer. And I think he passed on it. He said, no, I'm, I'm I'm done with it. He was five and one last year, even though coming off that injury was a comeback player of the year in the NFL after that catastrophic injury, you know, I think teams would want to be able to do something with him. So he was, He was asked this question. Get this. Did you know that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to draft Patrick Mahomes? Remember something? Alex had taken Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs to the playoffs the year previous. Alex Smith has won a lot of games. You know, you may not think Alex Smith is one of your elite guys, but let me throw this at you here. When I look at Alex Smith, I don't know. I don't think Dak Prescott's that much better than him. And Dak Prescott makes $42 million a year considered a top-ten guy. I don't know. Dak Prescott better than Alex Smith? Look the record up. I can guarantee you Alex Smith's got a better win percentage. Guarantee it that he has a better win percentage. Guy's won a lot of games. And he was asked the question, did you know you were in a position where the Kansas City Chiefs were going to reach up and get Patrick Mahomes? He goes, oh yeah, they called me and told me they're going after a quarterback and they're kind of earholing Patrick Mahomes. And he goes, they called me numerous times. They called me the night of the draft and told me they were doing it. I was like, holy cow, is that not cool? You see, Andy didn't want to have a bad environment in the building so that when you brought a quarterback into the building, this is what the Eagles didn't do to Carson Wentz. When you didn't have that friction in the Chiefs locker room or between Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes, now you see why the easy transition from Alex to Patrick was seamless. He knew the whole time. He was being told the whole time how the steps were going to go on, hey, we're going to go with a quarterback. And everybody saw it in practice. This guy's throwing no-look passes. Even Alex Smith addressed, he goes, Yeah, you saw it. This guy's going to be somebody special. He, he, he's just got to learn how to read defenses a little better. He was saying this then. And now, you know, even Patrick Mahomes has addressed it. Hey, I'm learning how to read defenses even better now. That guy's going to be insane over the next couple of years here. But Alex Smith was brought into the decision and how they were making this progression on how they were going to take him out, put him in every single time. They were communicating with him, communicating. Boom. Same thing in Tampa. Hey, hey, Tom, we really like this guy from Florida. Uh, we're going to bring him in. Is that cool? Yeah. Then all of a sudden Tom comes up and goes, yeah, I'm going to work with him too. What? That's all some of these guys want. Hey, in Green Bay, they never told, they never told uh Aaron Rodgers that they were going to go out and get Jordan Love. They never said nothing. They just did it. They just did it without the players' knowledge. And you just are coming off a record of two years with Matt LaFleur 26 and six. And you've been to two NFC title games. And you have no communication whatsoever with the quarterbacks. Then again, you haven't had any communication with your quarterbacks for 31 years. Here's the difference right there in a nutshell Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. They were bringing Alex Smith up to date on every single decision that they were making. Not in Green Bay. Not in Green Bay. Not in New England. Why do you think Brady got pissed off with Garoppolo up there? Why do you think he got ticked off? Because he was going and making a decision on replacing him without bringing Tom Brady into the conversation. Who knows? Brady may have gone for it. Let me give you another example of what's going on in another place. So Trey Lance, I just, you know, the the stuff with the shorts and the helmets and all that, whatever. So guess what? Garoppolo was asked a question by a a media member in the Bay Area, and he was asked after one of the practices the last couple days. How'd you feel about knowing now the conversations about them going after a quarterback? And then when you saw them move up in the draft, you went like this. Hey, man, you know, uh, they're going to take a quarterback here. How did you feel about that? He's like, it took time for me to process it. But John Lynch and the front office were constantly telling me, hey, we're going to take a quarterback. And the only reason we're taking a quarterback, Jimmy, is because you just can't stay healthy. See, you're being genuine and honest with the player. Garoppolo is not a bad player. He's 22-8 and eight as a starting quarterback in San Francisco, but he's missed 53% of his football games. You can't build a game plan, nor can you build a roster around a guy you're not sure is going to be there for half the season. It's impossible to, impossible to build a roster. It's impossible to win. Now, watch this. Could Garoppolo go this whole season? And could Garoppolo be healthy the entire 17 games this year? Absolutely. And do I think Garoppolo could lead that team back to a Super Bowl like he did two years? Absolutely. No question about it. But the key component in this whole conversation here is that in Green Bay, they're not on the same page with Aaron. And nor do they want to be. They don't want those guys involved in decision-making. And again, it's not that you're involved in decision-making. They just want to be involved in the process, especially a guy who throws for 48 touchdowns and only five picks, especially a guy who's won all them MVP awards, especially a guy who's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's all you're asking. You You know, hey, should we draft a receiver? I mean, Kurt Warner said it last Friday on our show. Hey, for you to be involved in decision-making on who you should take in the NFL draft, that's so detailed. That means you'd have to be in all the personnel decision uh, meetings. You'd have to watch tape on the guy. No player in the NFL wants to do that, especially a quarterback. you got to worry about the game that's coming up, the personnel you have on your field. Um Worrying about how you guys are going to work out in the office. You're worrying about all that. You're not worrying about some kid from Eagle Creek University. You're worried about the upcoming NFL season in the first weeks of September. That's all you're caring about. You don't want to be involved in any of that crap. So, I mean, right there, I I, I heard this today and I'm like, man, there's a difference between organizations who get it and organizations who don't get it. All right. I'm going to catch up with a guy here who I think should be a pro football Hall of Famer. He gets in, my boy Devin Hester gets in. He's part of the broadcast team for the Buffalo Bills. We'll talk to Steve Tasker. You keep it right here on the National Football Show.
2: Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see Hot Garlic, Tropical Heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite Huckin' What's that? Huckin' Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com.
3: field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. On Cuz Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
4: The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Local Union 98 is a proud sponsor of the Labor Show with J. Doc and Crousey every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So, when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
5: The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future.
6: Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way.
1: Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Silio. So much going on in the NFL, college football. Man, we're like three months out from the start of the season. Can you believe that already? 17 games in the NFL, college football right around the corner, too, Labor Day weekend. Holy cow, it's going to be here so soon. That's a beautiful thing, too. I look at, you know, I, I won't lie to you. I think some of the playoffs going on in the NBA, you've actually kind of, rekindled a little bit of fire for me to actually watch it. I watched that Suns and Lakers uh, game last night, that game too. Lakers had to win it. They did. They go back now to Staples. I'm kind of watching that. I'm clearly watching the NHL. But I look at those you know, those sports as kind of like filler as I'm getting ready for the upcoming NFL and college football season. It, one thing that's really great is to be able to see certain buildings – at full capacity or almost there. You know, I'm watching the uh, Panthers take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. You had 19,000 the other night down in Sunrise. That is so great. That's like the biggest crowd I've seen at an NHL game. But then I turn around and I'm watching the Canadians versus the Maple Leafs, and I'm going like this. Wait a minute. The first time that those dudes are, you know, dropping the puck in the postseason since 1969, and you don't have anybody in the building? Hey, man, get your stuff together, okay? Okay. Let your fans part of this thing here. Let's move on here. All right. You know, I, 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 there's no question one of my favorite building jobs is going on in Buffalo. I know. If you told me four years ago that the Buffalo Bills would be a free agent destination for upcoming free agents, I tell you, you're crazy. Nobody's going up there to play. They don't have a culture of winning over the last at least 15, 20 years, I'm not talking about those Marv Levy teams. You know, I'm not going, those Marv Levy teams were special. I'm talking about over the last like 15, 18 years, they have just not done anything when it came to winning. And all of a sudden over the last couple of years here, the hiring of Sean McDermott has been, you know, I think it's because he's in Buffalo but I would almost make the same comparison of when Seattle brought back Pete Carroll to the NFL. You know, you're in Seattle, you're kind of like in another country, you know, that's why Russell Wilson has never received a MVP vote at any time in his entire career. He has never received that, but I think it's because he's in Seattle. And when you're in Buffalo, you kind of have that same, that same cast over you know, your career, because you play in a place that's isolated. And you really don't get a chance to go, man, that's just really, that's a place like Cleveland, another place. Now, all of a sudden, when you start winning games and you start being part of a culture that's winning and you're building, that's when all of a sudden free agents and people who are maybe at other places that – aren't very happy. Stefan Diggs is a great example of that. Okay? Diggs hated what was going on in Minneapolis, right? He just hated it. And he went to Rick Spielman, the general manager of the Minnesota Vikings, and he said, look, man, I don't care what you have to do. I don't care where you have to send me, but I just want to get out of here. And I want to go to a place. Do me a favor, okay? I just want to go to a place that gives me an opportunity to win. Where did he end up? He ends up in Buffalo and you gotta give it to dig. You know, Stefan Diggs, with the attitude of the wide receivers today, you know, going to a place, you know, you're you're always worried about your brand. most importantly, you're worried about your catches and your numbers because that's how receivers are paid nowadays. You're paid on those numbers, man. You're paid how you produce. And when you don't produce those numbers, You're going to be a miserable dude. Look at Odell Beckham Jr. in Cleveland now. I know injuries and all that stuff have played a factor for him. But let's be candid here, okay? Cleveland, after being in New York for Odell Beckham, no. But what did Diggs do? He goes up to Buffalo, and he's part of the culture change. And when they add Stephon Diggs up there to, you know, the arsenal for Josh Allen, Josh Allen, I got to tell you, man, I saw him in his bumpy ride but every rookie goes through bumpy rides when they get the ball thrown to them in their rookie season. He had a bumpy ride. You were watching him in his first year. You were going like this. Like you do almost let's not forget something here. Peyton Manning had 28 interceptions his first season in the league. And everybody was doing this. Uh you know, I don't know. You know, is he going to be able to turn this all of a sudden the next year? And everything just took off, and he just skyrocketed and turned into the Hall of Fame player. But when you start adding, it shows you also, doesn't it? When you start adding components around the players that you draft, especially at key positions like the quarterback, look what happens. Everybody in the huddle starts to get elevated. And Stefan Diggs started elevating the offense. He started elevating the play of Josh Allen. And then you started seeing him getting better and better. Hey, by the way, Josh Allen last year, by the time we got to the midpoint of the season, were we not saying this? Hey, is this kid in the MVP conversation for the NFL's best player? Are we, I mean, right? Were we not doing this? And you started seeing him. He was making these steps every single week, and you're watching him win games. Leading rusher that particular week, all of a sudden, you know, he's thrown for 335 yards. The team's showing balance. I'd still like to see them get a running game going a little bit more to help him out. But, I mean, what Sean McDermott has done, they have turned the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion, into a, I would say this, a top three roster in the AFC. You would throw Kansas City in that conversation, and I think you would absolutely throw the Cleveland Browns in that conversation too. Then you'd have to put um, the Buffalo Bills in there. I think you could probably put the, the the Chargers in that conversation as well. There's some really good young football teams that have a lot of young I And mean, Look, too, in Los Angeles with the Chargers. I mean, you got Justin Herbert there, and you've got all that young talent that you have around him, and look at the job that they're doing there, and Tom Telesco and the general manager there. They're, they're putting great talent around this player as well. So to the Bills' case, it has really been really awesome to watch here as they're building this franchise and putting them in a position where this football team is – I look, they're going to make a run. Would it shock me? I think also, too, you got to put the Colts in that conversation. Would it shock me to say that the Buffalo Bills – could be in the AFC championship game. I think it's going to be a coin flip on what team ends up making it into the AFC championship game. Absolutely, and I really love it. Hopefully, we're going to be able to catch up with our friend Steve Tasker and get his thoughts on what's coming up here with this football team because I see great things coming up here for the Buffalo Bills. I really do, and I love the progression of what we're seeing here with Josh Allen. So again, hopefully we can catch up with our friend Steve Tasker and get his conversation. He's part of the broadcast team. And I would say this to you about Steve. Steve is one of the greatest special teams guys of all time. And if you don't have special teams on your football team, you are not going to win championships. I mean, we we were talking prior to coming on the air that you know the point differential in NFL games is 3 points how important a kicker is, how important your kick coverage, your punt coverage, all of that, okay? All of that. You, you have to have a great, great, great special teams if you're going to be able to win in the NFL. All right, let me, let me get into a storyline that was something that happened broadcasting-wise the other day. And I got to tell you something here. This is bigger than you think. This story is gathering steam and the NFL is getting, how about this? They have contacted Fox sports and they are pissed off at Fox sports is the NFL. There was a scene a scene the other day that was on undisputed with Shannon sharp. Shannon picks up his cell phone and calls Julio Jones. And on the air, Shannon Sharp, and by the way, remember, Fox is a broadcast partner of the NFL. On the air, started negotiating his situation in Atlanta. What's going on in Atlanta, Julio? And I'm paraphrasing. Julio Jones goes, I'm out of here. The Falcons have blown a gasket over this. Where do you want to go? I don't know. I may not want to go to Dallas. You're starting to negotiate on the air, and you're crippling the leverage of the Atlanta Falcons. You're crippling the advantage that they have on moving that potential player or maybe even restructuring a contract for him. What gives Fox Sports and Undisputed and Shannon that position that you would undermine the Atlanta Falcons? Well, let me just say this to you. FS1 is under major heat right now from the NFL. That is a no-no. You're going on the air and you're negotiating and you're crippling potentially a landing spot. You even took out potentially the Dallas Cowboys because Julio Jones says, I don't want to go and play there. Or he's saying, I want to go And You're taking all the leverage away from the Atlanta Falcons. How uncool is that? I mean, if you're the NFL and you're FS1, you need to really make bread here and make this thing right. So that is a story that's kind of out there. If you notice, FS1 hasn't brought this thing up at all. So they've kind of like, they're trying to make this thing right. And how you make it right is, shut your face and you don't say another word about it. Because the Falcons are not happy. And the NFL has, get this, from what I understand, Jacob Bowman runs all the shows. He's part of their VP and their front office and the people that make all those decisions. I can tell you this right now. He is under major heat right now from Goodell's people and from also Rich McKay. Rich McKay, the president of the organization, was not happy. With what was going on there. And so much so, get this. The Atlanta Falcons even posted that and put that out there on their own Twitter page. So, not cool. All right. We're gonna try to work we're working on getting our friend Steve Tasker. We'll take a brief timeout. You keep it right here on the National Football Show.
2: Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, pure bull dry rub, and our favorite Huckin'fot. What's that? Huckin' Go now to Steersnacks.com.
3: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you.
7: Seven, four, three. One, two, three. Because
3: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank. The International Brotherhood of
4: Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of the Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So, when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future
5: waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming, it's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future.
6: Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way.
1: Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy, Dan Sillio. I got to tell you, man, I am so pulling for this guy to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame because if Steve Tasker gets into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I think he makes a yellow brick road for my boy, Devin Hester, to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Works up there covering the Buffalo Bills. Here's our friend Steve Tasker now. Steve, how you doing, brother?
8: Hey, Dan. How are you? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: Do you think about that, Steve? I mean, listen, eventually one of you dudes is going to get in. I mean, seven times you were a pro bowler, and I tell everyone this. The point differential in the National Football League is three points. You can have the greatest offense. You can't have a bad defense and a bad special teams. Special teams is so essential in that game when it comes to winning Super Bowls, not just winning games, but winning Super Bowls. Do you feel yourself again getting momentum potentially to land in Canton? How are your thoughts on it?
8: Uh, I don't. think I try not to think about it too much. I'm honored to be in the conversation, and I've you know people have been talking to me for a long time. Um, the unfortunately, not unfortunately, but the, the reality of it is, it's t- it's a tough place to get into, right? So, uh, and there's a long list of players who have played well and played great and deserve to be in the conversation as well. It's a long list, and unless your name you know, gets up to the top of that list at some point, you know, it's, it, you're probably not going to get in. And certainly there's a lot of guys who will always be in the conversation who will never get in. And I may be one of those guys. Um, That doesn't may, mean um, I feel any less about my career or I, I feel bad about it or I'm bitter about it. Not at all. I'm honored to be in the conversation. It's humbling. Um, but it should be difficult to get into the hall of fame. And, and yeah, if, if, Special teams comes into that conversation. Certainly I'm a part of that conversation, but there are other guys who are worthy of it. And um, certainly there's a a group of people who would really love to see that happen. Um, But until that group expands and until uh, somebody like me or Devin Hester or, uh, you know, Matthew Slater or Bill Bates or somebody elevates higher up that list, it's probably not going to happen, but uh, that doesn't mean those guys aren't worthy ca- candidates and, and didn't mean a lot to the teams they played on.
1: You know, Steve um, I'm dear friends with Cornelius Bennett and I, I shake my head all the time. And I do this. You're not. I always was under the assumption that Cornelius biscuit was in the hall of fame. I mean, this guy's a seven time pro bowler himself. I mean, he's, and I always tell Jim Kelly, cause you know, Kelly and I have that you thing. And I tell him you guys won four straight AFC championships You're never going to see anything like that again. And Biscuit goes to Atlanta and he loses that Super Bowl. Do you think that also plays into it too, Steve? That you know those losses in that most important game. When you're talking about, especially you, Um,
8: I don't know. Maybe I think the further it goes into it, I think the important thing is, and and the thing that makes that team unique was that they went to four straight. That's a hard thing to do. And I and I've seen a lot of teams come in, the New England Patriots. I mean, uh, even the 2012. Seattle Seahawks, other teams along the line, have been to a couple or a, a number of them in, in a number of in a, in a larger number of years, like two out of four, two out of three, or three out of four. Nobody's gone to four straight, and I think that's what sets that team apart. It's really difficult to do. You have to keep it together and also add to it and refurbish your roster over those four years, and it's really difficult to find enough good players. But certainly, the guys that you're mentioning, you know, guys like Cornelius Bennett. You know, that four run, this run of four straight Super Bowls doesn't happen without him. It really doesn't. In fact, it may not even get started without him. Uh, I love and respect Cornelius Bennett. I love him like a brother. And I, th- I think the world of him as a man and as a football player. And you're right. I, I, there's no explanation for the, re, you know, for him not being in or at least getting discussed as a viable candidate. And, you know, I, I, it's it's hard because, like I said earlier, it's it's a difficult place to get into the Hall of Fame. It should be very difficult to get in. Uh, it should not be as difficult as it is to be seriously considered. And I think Cornelius Bennett's a prime example of that.
1: Absolutely. I got to tell you something, too, man. I, I, I posted something um, about the Buffalo Bills on my Twitter page. And I'm starting to learn what Bills Mafia means. You know, I mean, I didn't really, you know, Kelly's always trying to tell me what Bills Mafia means. And now I'm really, hey, what did you say about Josh Allen? Dog, yeah. who are you? What's your name? I don't know. Your, and I'm going like, okay, hey, hang
8: on here now. Yeah. Hey,
1: Steve, that Bills Mafia, man, is a real thing. It's one of the best fan bases in the NFL.
8: Yeah, you got to watch your wording very carefully. <laughs> they, they take, it, they absolutely take it personal. There's no question about it. And I, and I think that's unique to the Bills fan base. Certainly, they're, a, they're wonderful fans for every team in the NFL. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. But you, Buffalo fans are unique. One one of the reasons is the by and large, people who live uh, or or fans w- of Buffalo by and large are formerly from Buffalo or live in Buffalo, and they have roots in the in the region. Um, and it is a very provincial and family oriented fan base. And when you live in Buffalo for any length of time, it's difficult to get around the fact that whoever your friends are or happen to be you know their friends and they know your friends. You know their family as well, and they grew up there, and they're Bills fans because their mom and dad and their grandparents and their uncles and aunts and cousins are all Bills fans. Um, it's part of the fabric that makes this region what it is. So when you, it really – mafia does mean family. So when you say something about their football team, it's a family insult. <laughs> or, <laughs> it's it's a lot harder. It's, it's very easy to – Cross it, you know, and and, cr- and make enemies in the mafia. But it's also very easy to get in to get in with them really good because if you're on board with their team, you know you're invited to the family barbecue. So you know it's it's one of those. Uh, it, it's pretty funny because you really do. Dan, you have to watch your wording very carefully when you're tweeting about the Buffalo Bills because uh, people keep track of it.
1: Absolutely, man. My boy Tony Brown played up there, and he's like Dan. I've never seen anything like this thing in my life. Let me ask you a couple questions about the modern day bills here. How shocked are you with the progression of what you're seeing here with Josh Allen and how much do you think that progression and that growth last year had a lot to do with Stefan Diggs being added to the team?
8: Well, I think we were not shocked year two when he, you know, they were 10 and six made it to the playoffs. He was completing 56. 58, no, 50, yeah, 58% of his passes. It's a big step from year one to year two. And I like, yeah, that was pretty, you could see that. But every so often, you know, even in the playoff loss to the Houston Texans where he kind of went off the air and kind of tried a crazy lateral. was still kind of this kid trying to make every play every time. Year three, last year as it got kicked off, uh, I think the addition, not only of Steph Diggs, but a couple of other things happened as well. Uh, Gabriel Davis was drafted. and I think he was really more of a surprise than Steph Diggs was because during training camp that nobody saw, no preseason games, none of that, Gabe Davis burst onto the scene as a viable option and a guy who scooped up the offense so fast and was so well polished as a receiver, as a rookie. They plugged him into the lineup very quickly for the Buffalo Bills. So they were going four wide with Cole Beasley, John Brown, and Steph Diggs and Gabriel Davis. I think that four wide thing and Josh Allen's ability, added ability to deliver the, to deliver the football, really set that offense apart. They ran more four wide than anybody else in the league early last year, and I got to tell you, I was a I'm a big Bills Bills backer and Bills fan. We cover the Bills three hours a day every day. We're all about the Bills. Nobody saw the step coming that Josh Allen made. But I think one of the things you have to say is there's no question either. After 16 games in the regular season last year and two playoff games, the step was real. It was genuine. It's gonna. It's not going away. He's not going to go back to completing 58% of his passes. He's a 68.2 or 69.2 completion percentage guy. Where that came from was his own hard work, his ability to look at himself, he really crushes it in the offseason. I mean, he goes out and really works hard at it. And I mean, what else are you looking for, right? I mean, this yeah. guy, he looks at himself and he's critical of himself and he works on what he's not very good at. But no, but no, Dan, nobody saw that jump coming. But the amazing thing is for Bills fans and Bill, people who watch this team there's no doubt that it was real because he did it week after week after week after week after week and stacked really good performance on top of really good performance. Uh, So I think that's an amazing thing that he did, but no, nobody saw it coming. Do you think,
1: Steve... After what we saw go on in Philadelphia with Wentz and with golf in Los Angeles, do you think that the Bills are gonna wait and let him play through that last this this last option here? And they'll worry about a contract extension after he completes that final season. You no, think it goes down that route or do you think the Bills will address it?
8: I think they'll address it, but it won't be after this year. We just got word today or the last day or two that it's gonna be a two hundred and eight point two million dollars cap this year's a roof. They'll work off of that. They're going to get him signed. Now it may go through this season. They may not be signing extension until after this season, or he may sign a deal that doesn't kick in for a year or two. Uh, but they will get him signed before the last year that deal kicks in. I think it'll be within the next, probably within the next 15 months. Uh, he's got two more seasons. They'll have it done before next season, 2022 kicks off. Uh, they'll get it done. And, um, uh, same thing with Tremaine Edmonds, the middle linebacker, who's a two-time pro bowler. But now, no way, there's no way Josh Allen gets to the point where the franchise tag is even on the table.
1: I'd love to hear that, too, because I think, if I'm not mistaken, the cap is at 182 now. So if we're saying 208, you know, that's kind of going to catch up a little bit with the pandemic happened last year. It was about a 20% knockoff of, you know, not having fans in the stands. A couple more questions here. Sean McDermott, I've been saying this here, Steve, about this guy, you know, you could give me all the names and every time the names of the best coaches in the NFL get brought up, you know, I'm hearing the Kyle Shanahan's and the Sean McVays and all these other guys. This dude has built a Marv Levy community for their players. Don't guard your desk kind of conversation stuff. I mean, I am so impressed with what he has done. That Bill's franchise struggled for decades until they found the right guy at the helm. Uh, you know, we talk about Josh Allen's uh, progression. How have you looked at the progression of Sean McDermott as the head football coach of the Bills?
8: Well, I think it, last year certainly was a big leap forward for the team—a 13-win season. Goodness, I mean, that's that's better than good, right? So, yeah, uh, they lost four games all year. Two of them were to the Chiefs, and the other two, uh, the other two—one was to a, a shell game where they didn't know who they were playing until 36 hours, or where they were playing th- until 36 hours before the game, and nobody wanted to go down to Tennessee to play the Titans because it was a, like a leper colony, right? They were all sick, full of COVID, and you were going to get sick, and the whole season was going to be derailed. They lost that one, and then the other gloss was to a Hale Murray on a last-second, last-ditch play that nobody could defend <coughs> or should, you know, it shouldn't have happened. So those are the only four games they lost last year. The first Chiefs game they lost in a driving rainstorm uh, on Monday Night Football early in the season, week six, I believe. And then uh, in the playoffs, AFC Championship game, and i got to tip my hat to the Chiefs, they played their best football in two and a half months uh, on that night. Uh, so they deserved to win that game. Bills were not going to beat them that night. So uh, that's the only four games they lost. That And that was as great a season as that was. I still think the league missed the boat when they should have, when Sean McDermott should have won Coach of the Year was 2017, his very first year as head coach. Right before the season, they made a couple of trades. Sammy Watkins out of there, EJ Gaines out of uh, there, Darby, Matt Darby out of there, uh, Ron Darby out of there uh, as a cornerback. They got accused of tanking in 2017. They'd been in a playoff drought for 17 years. And right before the start of the season, everybody said, oh, they're tanking this year for what they've done right before the start of the season. He took that roster to the playoffs for the first time in 17 years. That's where the league missed the boat. This last year was just a progression of where this team is headed. And certainly the expectations are through the roof this year, through the roof this year. But when you're talking about, you know, elite coaches in the NFL, the best coaches in the NFL, Sean McDermott's on the short list. Unfortunately, he's built the expectations so high, he doesn't get credit for having made that possible.
1: Finally here, um, you're, you're, you know, just expand a little more on your expectations for 2021. I mean, I I would say this, I would like to see that running game, maybe a tick up the defense on the other side of the ball, maybe in the back end. I mean, you know, maybe a tad bit question marks, you know, on some of the spots on the team, but no team's got a perfect roster except maybe the one down in Tampa right now. What are you looking at for this team coming up here in 2021?
8: Well, their offense is going to be a little bit different because they traded out John Brown for um, Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders is a different kind of receiver than John Brown, a little bit more versatile, maybe not as fast, but certainly a guy that gets separation. Their offense may take a step forward in that way. The running game, they've said it, and people made a a big deal out of it, and rightfully so. At the end of the season, both Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean said, we want to run the ball better. They did not say they want to run the ball more. They won't they're going to put the ball in Josh Allen's hands and throw it out there with a bunch of guys who can catch it. Um, they may want to run the ball better, but they're a top 10 offense in explosive plays. They had 89 of them, number two overall in the National football league for the number of explosive plays. They were a number four, I think overall in the number of explosive pass plays. They were a number nine overall in the number of explosive run plays. So they had more explosive runs than people gave them credit for. But when the, when push came to shove, You'd like to be able to hand it off more often than they did, or at least have the option to be a threat there. I think they want to run it better, but their 60 40 split pass to run won't change. They're going to run it about the same as they always have. Certainly, they'd like to get more production out of it. They got, uh, they signed Matt Breida off the, uh, Miami Dolphins, Breeda brings a sense of speed to their backfield running group with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. But both those guys are exactly the kind of running backs the Buffalo Bills want. They're elusive and physical runners. Uh, they catch the ball out of the backfield. They do a lot of things. And that's basically where they want. I don't think they're going to tinker with their run game very much at all. Defensively, they needed a better pass rush last year. Um, they They had a really nice win rate up front in their pass rush. But teams got rid of the ball too fast, and do get rid of the ball too fast in this league to have a good pass rush win rate. You got to get sacks. You got to put the quarterback under pressure. The Bills didn't do it enough last year. The first two picks of the draft, and Greg Rousseau and Boogie Basham, that's a, that's a nod to their pass rush woes last year and where it all started. Certainly, that's going to be. Um, a place where they're going to emphasize some difference, and plus they'll get Starlo Tulele back down inside on their defensive line. That'll help Ed Oliver on the inside as well. So their defensive front's going to get a big boost this year. Um, that will help on the back end as well.
1: I told Russo he's a, he's a Hurricane, so I told that dude. I go, hey brother, you go up to Buffalo, man. Just make sure, man. Remember, Bills Mafia. If you have a ten sack season this year. You'll be a legend for the rest. You won't have to eat wings for the rest of your life. Let me just leave it there for you. Hey, Steve, man, seriously, I I, I'm I'm pulling for you. You know, I put a lot of the list together for the Hall of Fame voters like Rick Gosselin and with, you know, Jason Cole and those guys. And I keep telling them every year, you know, this guy's got the numbers. He's got the he's got the Pro Bowls, and plus he was on those iconic football teams. So One day, we're going to push you across the finish line, and that's going to bring, I think, open up a gate for everybody else to get in, maybe White Shoes Johnson down the line as well. I appreciate you coming on here, Steve, always. Thank you so much, and go Bills Mafia. Appreciate it.
8: Thanks, Dan. Appreciate you.
1: You got it, man. That is Steve Tasker. Absolutely. You talk about a guy who was a massive impact on that Bills team. you imagine this? You win four straight AFC championships. You're never going to see that in a salary cap era you're never going to see that again you know going to three straight super bowls look how hard that's been do you here you know I, I i look at the bills and i always tell people this yeah they lost four super bowls how many super bowls have you guys been to your favorite team look at the eagles you've been to one uh two three three Okay. Got beat by the Raiders, got beat by the Patriots, and you won versus the Patriots. Okay? I mean, these guys went to four straight. I mean, that's incredible. You're never gonna see that again. It's one of the absolute most iconic teams of all time. Now, not having one one always is going to play a factor. Always is going to play a factor when you're considering guys. Look at Cornelius Bennett. We had him on a couple weeks ago, and Biscuit went to five Super Bowls. You know, he ended up getting beat in that Super Bowl when he got traded to the Atlanta Falcons because that's his neck of the woods where, you know, he wanted to play in the South. He's from Florida. He didn't want to go to any of the Florida teams. He wanted to go to Atlanta. Atlanta was great. And he helped bring that football team to a Super Bowl. No mistake about it, man. All those great players on that football team. They were so good. You're just not going to see it. But to his point with Josh Allen, no way did I see Josh Allen in year three making that leap like Steve Tasker just said. Because Wasn't it like every single week? We kept seeing this, right? We kept We kept seeing that, you know, all of a sudden these little leaps and bounds and you're watching it every week and you're watching this guy get better and better and better. Every single week, and you were doing this by by the mid-season. Were we not saying this? This guy's an MVP candidate here, man. And we were even putting him in the conversation at the end of the year. This guy really, man, he's a top five guy. All right. When we come back out of the timeout, Antonio Brown should kiss Tom Brady's ass every single day he sees him in Tampa. I'll tell you why. You keep it right here on the National Football Show.
2: Go now to Steersnacks.com.
3: On the field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of
4: Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
5: The future waits for no one. So we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds, and planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future.
6: Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way.
1: Hour two here on the National Football Show with your boy Dan Silio. We will talk with our friend, and he is such a great football player, Blaine Bishop. He's part of the broadcast team for the Tennessee Titans. One of my favorite football players is on that football team, and that is Derrick Henry, and one of my favorite football coaches, Mike Vrabel, is on that team, and the head coach of that team, and leads that team, and I love that dude, Blaine, a four-time Pro Bowler, with the Tennessee Titans. And by the way, you got to remember something about Blaine. He was not a four-star guy coming out of high school. I think he went to some school like Ball State. He's got really an interesting story. I heard it on Sirius over the weekend, and it's really cool. So we'll catch up with him, get his thoughts on if he thinks that team will be in a position like it's been the last couple years as a playoff contending team. Maybe a special guest in this hour. We shall see. We hope everybody is enjoying themselves now. Again, don't forget this weekend, Memorial Day weekend. Hey, if you didn't get a chance to see or hear Steve Tasker or any of the great people that we've had, you can always do us a favor. Go back and listen to some of the great interviews or some of the shows. You can share the shows. Jacob Media Channel is here for you guys. Again, what's what I love about these platforms now? You get a chance to go back in case you miss something and hear it all over again. So, We appreciate everybody now as you're starting to make this show bigger and bigger each and every single day. I used to say each and every single week. Now I'm saying each and every single day. Thank you. All right. So I teased going into the second hour here, Antonio Brown. So AB just passed his physical, and now he's going to be officially a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. You know, he went out into the open market this offseason. And Antonio Brown, I think, was thinking once again that he was bigger than the league again. What got Antonio Brown in trouble in Pittsburgh and in Las Vegas? What got him in trouble? His ego. And by the way, he basically threw $25 million in a trash can and basically lit it on fire. This guy was the highest paid wideout in the National Football League. He is a game changing guy. Over a seven year period, Nobody had more catches and more receiving yards than Antonio Brown. He was on his way to Canton. He not only lit that money on fire, but he lit his entire career on fire. Hey, we've seen this before. Daryl Strawberry, Doc Gooden, Mike Tyson. This is not something that is uncommon for the sports fans to see guys torching their careers. We've seen it a lot, right? Johnny Manziel. It's not something that's, you know, foreign to what a sports and a guy lit his on fire. Daryl Strawberry, you know, all them guys. So what did he think? See, he was in the friendly confines of Pittsburgh. Oh, and for the record, how's Le'Veon Bell's career doing since he left Pittsburgh? Where the hell is Le'Veon Bell? I don't even know where that dude is now. I have no idea. Kansas City? I don't know. Look at A.B. when he was in Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin, he kept that entire insane asylum intact for them to try to at least win games. I think it's remarkable that he was able to keep those two dudes in that organization for as long as he did. Because you talk about torching your careers on fire. Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell have destroyed their careers since they've left Pittsburgh, have they not? Okay. Okay. Let's fast forward here with Antonio Brown. So A.B. thought he was like, you know, God's gift to the league. What did the league do last year? Hey, A.B., you'll sit over there in the corner with your dunce hat until we're ready to call on you. Nobody called them. And when you're a player like that, with that kind of skill set, and nobody's knocking on the door, it's not that they don't want to hire you. They don't trust you. This came down to trust. Nobody trusted the guy anymore. They didn't trust them. So you had teams saying this, man, the player's great. The guy is awful. So what did Tom Brady do? Let's look at the history with Brady with troubled players. Corey Dillon, Aaron Hernandez. those guys right next to him in his locker room. Do you know Aaron Hernandez's locker was right next to Tom Brady's? Urban Meyer said Tom needs to keep an eye on him. By the way, cell phone conversations with Bill Belichick all the time. Belichick and Brady kept an eye on Aaron Hernandez as long as they possibly could in New England. He's just a bad guy. But those guys knew that guy could bring something to the football team. Hey, debating whether or not you should have a guy like that in your locker room is another conversation. Character has to matter. But sometimes winning supersedes that. You'll tolerate a guy like that, and you'll have a guy like that in your locker room if you feel your locker room has got leadership in enough to watch over that guy and keep that guy in line. It takes a strong locker room to tolerate that kind of behavior to be in your locker room, okay? And you've got to trust your leadership in that locker room. That's what Belichick had in Brady. See, I, I compare Brady a lot to Tim Duncan. Look at a San Antonio Spurs since Tim Duncan has left. They're just another team. You know, Greg Popovich's ego is so obnoxious. He's the most obnoxious coach in sports. Hey, man, you leave your egos at the door here in San Antonio. You know all that billboard crap? Kawhi Leonard listened to it and went like this. That guy's full of you-know-what. Are you kidding me? That guy's full of it. You couldn't keep the MVP you had on your basketball team in the building because you know why? He didn't like the way you ran your organization. It was Duncan in the locker room that was doing this. This is what he means. Leaving your ego at the door. Don't worry about it, guys. This is our team. Mano Ginobili and Tony Parker, they were able to take and siphon all that crap that Popovich was spewing. And look at that. Ever since they've lost those guys, not making the playoffs, they're just another team in the NBA now. They're a decent team. Nobody wants to hear that crap anymore. Duncan was the buffer. Brady was the buffer in New England. No days off. Shut up, Bill. Okay. And Tom's in there going like this. This is what he means. You got to have your star guy buying into it. Brady bought into it because it benefited Brady. It benefited Duncan. It benefited those two players because they knew hey, we got to be the Pied Piper in the locker room. You know, these coaches can draw up all the things they want on a billboard, but end of the day, it's the players leading the players, okay? It's not coaches. What do you think? These Newt Rockney speeches and all that crap? Give me a break, dude. It's the players in the locker room. So Antonio Brown got a little bit of that. Goes in the open market. He wanted $5 bucks. Nobody was going to pay him that because you know why? Again, it came down to trust. It came down to trusting. Didn't trust him. So he goes back with his head tucked between his tail, and they sign him to a contract. And by the way, they give him a contract where if he plays this year, he can make $3 million. And then get this. If he lives up to everything that's in the incentives, he can make $6.2 million. There's only one guy you need to kiss every time you see him. Tom Brady brought you in. When no one wanted you. No one wanted you, A.B. Not even Bruce Arians at the beginning. No, I don't want that. We have no intention and no interest. Jason Light, the general manager, said the same thing. We have no interest. What did Brady do? Brady liked you when he was up in New England. Belichick didn't want to hear it bringing him back. No, I'm not interested. Brady goes like this. I'll take care of it. Do you know that A.B. lived in his house last year? He lived in his house. He lived in his house. Okay? Kept an eye on him. He built the equity back up into this player to now where they've re-signed him. And Antonio Brown has a chance now to put his career back on the tracks to Canton all because of one man. No one else in the NFL was going to put their reputation. But then again, nobody else in the NFL could put their entire legacy on the line. And if, if that failed, it would be no collateral damage to Brady. It would just be Brady trying to help a troubled player again. Some would say, well, Brady benefits by... Okay, so... You think that Antonio Brown is on the Buccaneers because he's a great dude? Antonio Brown is on the Buccaneers because he's a great player, not a great dude. And for me to even say great dude, I don't know. I'm not. and, And for the record, get this. We had Bruce Arians on the program. You can go back and listen to the interview that we did right here on the National Football Show. And he said he was just a model guy. He was spectacular. We loved him. He was helping the younger players. He was a special guy when it came to, uh, you know, having him on our roster. And the Bucks get him back along with the 22 guys. But I've said this to you. Hey, man, Tom Brady gave that guy an olive branch, and he's building Antonio Brown up and back to where people are now starting to do this. Hey, man, look what Tom Brady did to Antonio Brown. Get this, John Gruden and Mike Mayock in Las Vegas, they couldn't work with Antonio Brown. The New England Patriots and the front office there threw their hands up with all the the off-the-field issues because they were nervous and afraid. Bob Kraft was going through his own crap in Florida, They didn't want to have that stuff around the organization to keep having people reminded of all that BS. Brady kept wanting the guy back. Hey, we'll get through this. Nope. Brady gets down to Tampa. One of the first things he does is what? He gets Gronk back on the team, and then he does this. Hey, man. (laughs) I, I, I want Antonio Brown. And Antonio Brown is like a gift. He's like a gift for Tom. So, dude, AB, every time you see Tom Brady, you should just absolutely kiss that dude's ass. Make no mistake about it. All right, we're going to take a brief timeout. We're going to hopefully catch up with our boy Blaine Bishop. You keep it right here on the National Football Show.
2: Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull beef jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull dry rub, and our favorite Huckin' Fod. What's that? Huckin' Go now to Steersnacks.com.
3: Field of life First trust Bank is there for you
7: three, four, three. One, two, three. because
3: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood
4: of Electrical Workers Local Union 98 is a proud sponsor of the labor show with J Doc and Crousy every Saturday night from 6 to 8 pm. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So, when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The
5: future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future.
6: Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way.
1: Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy, Dan Silio. and one of my favorite people. To talk football with is my friend, Blaine Bishop, and he helps cover the Tennessee Titans, and he's one of the great Tennessee Titans himself, and he steps in here now with us. And Blaine, thanks so much for doing this, brother. I appreciate you coming aboard, man. How's it going, dude? Can't hear you, man technology right <laughs> you there let's see if we can work on this here a little bit get the volume turned up here blaine you there all right let's see if we can end up getting it back here we'll see if we can work on this here and we'll try to get him back on here so we can hear him because he's got a great story okay he, he was not a highly recruited guy And he ended up going to, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Ball State. And he ends up with, I think it's either four or five Pro Bowls. And it's incredible what he was able to accomplish there in Tennessee. And it's crazy. And, you know, it's when you think of that Tennessee Titans team, that Tennessee Titans team, I mean – Look at what they have been able to build over the last couple of years here with Mike Vrabel as the head coach. Mike Vrabel has done such a marvelous job with that football team. You know, I've been saying this about, you know, Mike Vrabel. I think Mike Vrabel is the guy that Bob Kraft is going to be earholing for potentially taking over the head coaching position in New England. You know, he's a former defensive guy. He played up with the Patriots. He's a guy that has built a reputation on being a tough guy. And when you watch that Titans team and you see the way that that Titans team does business, that Titans team is all about tough defense, playing in the special teams, running the ball. And by the way, Derrick Henry is just one of the absolute uh, spectacular guys when it comes to the NFL and the history of the running back. I mean, that stiff arm is as one of the best stiff arms maybe of all time. Walter Payton, Jim Brown, Adrian Peterson. God, is he such a great player. And what you can't believe with Derrick Henry, you cannot believe that Derrick Henry was a guy that was not drafted in the first round. Hopefully, we got the mic fixed here. And Blaine, how you doing, brother? That's not working there, man. Hopefully, we can work this thing out here. <laughs> okay, well technology. Like I say, technology. Let's see if we can try to see if we can fix that thing here too. So, all right. Let me move on to this topic here while we're trying to work through the technology here. Um, Today in Jacksonville, I saw a comment that was made by Trevor Lawrence. This is one of the smartest things that I have seen a rookie quarterback do in a long time. He was asked a question about Tim Tebow being on the football team. And you know what Trevor said? Trevor's like, hey, I'm completely in support of all of this. I support this so much. There won't be a guy that will work harder than what Tim Tebow will in Jacksonville perfect instead of just blowing off the question blowing off the player he's embracing tebow you know a lot of young players like a lot of young coaches do you know what they would do they would be apprehensive they would be in a position where what they would do this they they would be like again guarded And when you're guarded like that, you all of a sudden, what happens? Okay, you come off like you're a little bit adversarial, even though you're not trying to be. And that's the case with Trevor. Trevor's embraced this. I hope that this comes down to being that he wants Tebow on the team because I think Tebow could be an asset to the locker room. It's really a smart move. Okay? It's truly a smart move by Trevor Lawrence. So when you when you when you when you're watching young players how they're dealing with the environment of going from the college ranks to the NFL, this was a this was an absolute perfect move that you can have here with um with a player like that that Is in a tough spot because, listen, as great as Trevor is, he's the number one overall selection. He's going to be the face of the franchise. He's going to be all of that. But you have the face of Florida. You have the face of the Southeastern Conference. You have arguably the most famous college football player and one of the most famous football guys from that area of the country on your team now. And it's kind of a novel story. He's not just blowing it off. And and by the way, you know what else he's not doing? He's also not doing this. He's also not going out and going, oh, I don't care. You know, I'm just going to blow this thing off here. Um, you know, I'm not, it, it doesn't matter. So end of the day here, that's a brilliant move. It's just absolutely a brilliant move for him. And I really love the fact that he did that. Trevor Lawrence is really a leader. I can't wait to see what this kid is going to do. The big question is going to be is how Urban Meyer is, you know, who is going to be a better pro I think is going to be the question mark in Jacksonville. Is it going to be Urban Meyer or is it going to be Trevor Lawrence? Who's going to be the better player? All right. We'll see if we can work out some of the technical issues here. We'll take a quick timeout. You keep it right here on the national football show.
2: Go now to Steersnacks.com.
3: On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you.
7: On three. One, two, three. Because
3: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local
4: Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show, with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
5: The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future.
6: Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way.
1: to the National Football Show. Some technical difficulties there with Blaine. We'll reschedule him, get his thoughts on the Tennessee Titans. And I think that football team has really done a great job with Mike Vrabel. That team is a hell of a football team. I don't know if they're good enough on the defensive side of the football, if they're going to make a stronger run as they have the last two years at that AFC title. But, you know, look, the job that Mike Vrabel has done with – how he's handled the reincarnation, so to speak of Ryan Tannehill has been remarkable. I mean, look, you got to remember something about Ryan Tannehill coming out of college. When he came out of Texas A&M, he didn't really have a lot of reps behind him. He was kind of in the same boat as was Mitchell Trubisky when he was at UNC. And, he wasn't really overly developed when he got to the Dolphins. And when you had Joe Philbin down there and you had a cast of characters, you didn't really have a good offensive game plan around him. You didn't really have a good running attack around him. He really kind of went up and down when it came to his progression. And you were always like this. Okay, who is he? What is he? Is he going to be a quarterback that you can win ball games with? or is he a guy that is just another one of these guys that was over-evaluated in the draft process? So when he was kicked out of Miami, he was basically put in this boat here. Well, he's not going to be an elite guy to help take us to a Super Bowl. You know, we were talking to Ross Tucker the other day about this, and Ross says, look, if you have a top 20 guy, I think when you're talking about elite quarterbacks in the National Football League, you know, you got to remember, you can win with quarterbacks that are ranked in the top 15. And if you have a quarterback like that, that you can plug in and you've got enough essential tools around him, you can win a ball game. And he was that. So what does he do? He ends up going up to Tennessee, and what does Mike Vrabel do? He reincarnates him. But because he can do that, he had a guy in the backfield and Derrick Henry That football team is not built on throwing the football 38 times a game in Tennessee. That team is built on running the football with Derrick Henry carrying the ball 25 times a game. And as the season goes on, if you notice how they handle him, and I think Vrabel does a great job at, you know, the way that they've developed or, you know, reconditioned, I should say, Ryan Tannehill, as you see how that team goes towards the end of the season, that football team Gives the ball to Derrick Henry more as you get past the midpoint of the season, they start to up his carries. That's because he's starting to wear teams out. That's what makes him a special player, man. That guy's a special football player. He really is. He's a special football player. Okay. I mean, he, without a doubt, is a guy that is one of those old school running backs that totally just knows how to handle himself, and he takes care of himself, and he's made himself an elite running back. Make no mistake about it. All right, let's go on to another story that popped up here today, and that's the Deshaun Watson case. You know, now we're hearing that, you know, he's not going to really be in any kind of issues when it comes to deposing these cases that are in Houston until 2022 where they're going to really be able to address it. So what does that mean now for the Houston Texans as they go forward and trying to build an offense for David Culley, the brand-new head football coach in Houston? I mean, you're caught almost in limbo here a little bit with how you put this football team together. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is a fine quarterback. You know, I actually thought Tyrod was a good quarterback when he was up in Buffalo, and Anthony Lynn, when Anthony Lynn – was the interim guy up there. He was a good offensive coordinator up there, did a fine job at really having him run. Then, you know, that relationship ended up going over to Los Angeles with the Chargers, and they did a hell of a job with him. And I really am a fan of Tyrod Taylor. I am. I'm a fan of Tyrod. Tyrod is one of those guys that you want on your football team. And, you know, you break glass in case of emergency. He is totally one of those guys. And what I love about him is that he is going to be ready to go. He's going to be prepared because he has had to deal with his career that way the entire time. That's what makes him an asset on your football team. Now, getting back to Deshaun, what do you do if you are the Houston Texans? Do you take calls? Do you... Think about dealing the player. How are you moving this player off, you know, your roster? How are you moving him? Okay, are you going to be able to move him? Um, And do you want to move him? So I look at it and I say, okay, what does Cal McNair want? Does Cal McNair want this guy on his team or does he want To cut his ties loose from this. So the Texans are in a position now where they're like this. Okay, you're caught in limbo here. If I were the Texans, I would sit here and do this. Let's move the player. We have too much collateral damage. There's too much going around the storyline with the player and let's Let's look at it for what it was here, okay? We have criminal case, cases out here against our star guy that we just gave a boatload of money to. And we need to get as much assets as we possibly can. Now, how much does this public damage do to his market value when it comes to putting him out there Would a team give up three first-rounders? You know what? Funny, I asked Jimmy Johnson before all this stuff ended up coming out about Deshaun Watson. I asked him, how much would you take three first-rounders and three threes or three twos? He said, no. When you have a guy like this on your football team, okay, you want to make sure that you have that guy on your team. You do every single thing possible to keep that guy on your football team. And the Texans have to move them. Now, with the Dolphins, who you know are, are, are trying to tell you that they're happy with Tua Tugavaiola, I don't believe that. I think Tua's a fine ball player, but if you can give me an upgrade, Carolina the same, Sam Darnold, I can move easily off of Sam Darnold if you give me Deshaun Watson. Make no mistake about it. I easily could do that. I really think the Texans, and, and know this, they're going through OTAs now. Where, where do you go if you're Deshaun, and how do you go and try if you're the agent? Magali's his agent. I mean, are, are you trying to push a trade? What team is going to be able to throw those assets out there, not knowing what can happen in 2022? So we're caught in a small dilemma here with him. And especially now that they've pushed the court cases out to 2022. Okay. All right. Let's take a brief time out here. You keep it here on the National Football Show.
2: Ah, The savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see Hot Garlic, Tropical Heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite Huckin' Fod. What's that? Huckin' Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com.
3: field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you.
7: One, two, because
3: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank.
4: The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So, when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
5: The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future.
6: Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all catch a wave take a nap go for a drive grab a bite it's your vacation and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one the wildwoods your vacation your way
1: Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy, Dan Silio. Thank you so much for coming aboard. Hey, we really look forward to all of you guys being part of our program as we build this bad puppy into being what it's really taken off as. We thank you so much for coming aboard with us here. So I want to throw this out here to you, too. And, you know, I, I kind of broached it in the last hour. And that was that, you know, you're hearing all of these coaches make these comments like, oh, my God, have you seen the way that football just blows off the hand of Jordan Love? Oh, my God, it's unbelievable. It's the best thing I have ever seen. Incredible. Or you're hearing Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco talking about, you know, Trey Lance and, what he's bringing now to a locker room. You're also hearing Brian Flores, also in Miami, saying this, amen. There is no question. This guy here, to him, there is something different about him this year. You got to remember something, guys. These guys are in, they're in OTAs right now. They're just wearing their helmet and shorts. This is what coaches do. They're trying to build your confidence level up right now. And what they're doing with all of these quarterbacks, and, and you know what all the rest of the position players are doing as well. They're sitting listening to their coaches, and every guy that you drafted, even some of the free agents that you're bringing into your organization, what you're doing is you're trying to build confidence, and you're trying to make that transit. You know what I used to hate was, was that in the old days, the coaches used to do this they used to try to make it as difficult as possible on the players that were coming in. And why would you do that? Why are you trying, why are you trying to make that environment as hard as possible for you to make that transition into your football team? You, you know, would you want to do that? Say you were running a company that had a major sales force on it. Would you really try to make that salesperson, uncomfortable and not give that guy every skill set possible for him to be able to be successful. Would would, would you, why would you make it hard like that? Why is that? You know, we, we had, you know, we had Wade Phillips on with us the other day and Wade was like, you know, I really don't do that. You know, my notion was always that I was going to bring him in and I was going to bring any player that we had into the room and what we were going to do was we were going to make it as easy as possible and the transition as easy as possible for that player to be able to grab grab on to what we were trying to ask that guy to do. If we were bringing in a defensive end, we told that player, this is what five plays you need to learn. This is the uh, skill of what we're asking you to do, whether it's a three technique, a two technique, what have you. Same thing on the quarterback side he tried to make that transition as easy as possible when it came to getting that guy in the room and that's what a lot of this is one of the reasons why i think you're seeing less failure rate with draft choices in the nfl nowadays and that is is that you're seeing guys now and coaches that are younger you're not you don't have these old school coaches right now that are in the building And you're not trying to make those guys as hard as possible. I'll tell you, like my story, me going into the Buccaneers when I had Mike Dubose as the defensive line coach, he made it so hard on me. And I didn't know what he was talking about. I didn't know what kind of techniques he was telling me about. I didn't even know how to play the position. They drafted me to play nose guard. I had never played that in my entire life. So I went in that position and I went into that team Really, just with my head on a swivel. You know, I had done something for about three years my whole life one way. And I'm not saying that I shouldn't have been smarter when it came to adapting to what they were asking me to do, but what I didn't understand was what they were asking me to do. So, with these OTAs, you're hearing coaches like the Kyle Shanahans, like the Brian Flores, all of these guys now telling these guys, okay, when you come in here, here's what's expected of you. Here's 10 plays. Let's work on these ten plays first. Then we'll build on to twenty plays. Then we'll build on to a few more plays. And then what we'll do is we'll we'll try to work you in to our ones, twos, and threes. And let's see how you've uh, taken in the intel and how you can work yourself into that particular offense or defense. That's why you're seeing less you're seeing less failure rate nowadays. And I love when I'm hearing the, see, it's the young coaches, the old coaches, they used to, like I said, they made it difficult. You know, it's funny when I, when I go back and I think about how coach Johnson, you know, was dealing with all of his young players in Dallas, he didn't make it difficult. He gave you a playbook and he basically said, here's what's being asked of you. Let's see if we can make it happen. And what Jimmy used to do all the time was, Hey, bottom line was, how do we have to make you a better football player? Okay. Do we need to change some of the terminology here? Do we need to change? Because they would always think about making it as easy as possible for the player to take in the intel. He was kind of ahead of his time. Sean Payton does a lot of that same philosophy when it comes to putting his offensive defenses together as well. And I really admire how a lot of these coaches and the younger coaches, if you notice, that's one of the things that has really becomes something that's very evident. Look at Kevin Stefanski and Cleveland. These young coaches now are not trying to make their environment difficult for young players. You're not wanting to hand jobs to young players, but what you're wanting to do is you're wanting to make it so that it's easier for these younger players that you're drafting. I'm telling you guys, when you leave college And you leave a great environment, say, you know, you leave Alabama or you leave LSU or you leave Ohio State and you go into the NFL, it really doesn't matter. Sometimes you go into a place that has lesser talent. Like, look at what Trevor Lawrence is doing. Trevor Lawrence is going to be going into the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he has so lesser talent in that building than he had at Clemson. And it is probably going to be really playing around with his mind a lot when it comes to that. You know, when when, when you have success, and I don't know how many games that he lost in high school because I know he didn't lose very many games in high school. And then when you lose one or two games when you're in college for the amount of time that he was in in, in in college, make no mistake about it, all of a sudden you go into the NFL and you start to see, holy cow, we just don't have the talent here. And then all of a sudden I don't understand the playbook and I don't understand which direction that we're going here. I gotta tell you um it's not that easy of a transit hey look are you supposed to be a little more mentally tougher in the conversation absolutely no doubt about it no doubt about it but you've gotta you've got to understand that the that's why the young you see the coaches that are being hired today you've never heard of some of these guys it's because these guys are talking about great environments all right let's move on A little more here with some of the news that is coming out of Green Bay now and some news just came out this afternoon about the wide receivers not showing up to OTAs. The Packers do now know that they have issues inside that building with the way that it's being questioned. Get this now. Think about it for a minute. You got the reigning MVP of the National Football League. Questioning how you do business. Questioning how you prepare. Now what you've also done is, by example and your leadership, now you have another group on your offensive huddle, your wide receiving core, that is now saying the same thing. They're in support of their quarterback. They're not showing up to OTAs. That's the support Of the quarterback that's telling them basically, hey, man, we support our guy. If Aaron feels that we're not on the same page when it comes to winning football, there is a deeper issue inside the Green Bay Packers on how the Packers deal with players, how the Packers build teams, how the Packers have a roster where, get this, there's question marks that the players are having constantly, which means this, there's been whispering going on in corners for the last 31 years. This is not just a Aaron Rodgers situation. This is more of a scenario where, get this, this is like a volcano that has been building for a long period of time. This has been something that goes back even to the Favre days. That has come to a point here where now everybody in the building is now doing this. Wow, you're right. Wow, you're right. There's a problem here. And again, I said this yesterday, and I'll say it one more time to you. The Green Bay Packers running their football team by committee. And their football team is right now on a path where they're going to be very good, but they're never going to be spectacular. They're not going to be spectacular because they run their football team by a board of directors. And when you run your football team by a board of directors, there's no shot at winning. Okay? There's got to be one guy in the building, like I said yesterday, that's got to have the decision-making when it comes to the direction of your football team. And when you have Mark Murphy and they're asking everybody around the room what place we should go in the draft, and you don't know that already going into the draft. And by the way, the general manager, Gunstead's already done a great job building the roster, but what they're poor at is communicating. We've said this before to you. The Packers are just not very good at communicating. And it's playing out right now when it comes to how they communicate with their guys. It's this thing just, it's been a train wreck. It's been a, and you know what, 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 what makes it difficult to swallow. If you're a player in that locker room, you're so close to getting and touching the Holy grail. You're so close to getting to the championship. The front office is in the way. That's one thing you should never have is your front office in the way. All right. We'll take a brief time out. You keep it right here on the National Football Show.
2: Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck Fod. What's that? Huck and Go now to Steersnacks.com.
3: On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical
4: Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
5: The future waits for no one. So we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future.
6: Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way.
1: Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Celio. I think it's great seeing all the fans back at OTAs. You know, one of one of the one of the great scenes I've seen. You know, I saw people there, you know, roaming around there and roaming around the Eagles camp. I saw people roaming around the uh, 49ers camp, and you're starting to see fans and what used to be something that fans used to love all the time, showing up to training camp, showing up to, you know, the OTAs to watch their favorite team. It really is how you build a phenomenal fan base. You know, I'll give you, I'll give you a story. And, you know, I've covered so many teams from the Raiders to the Dolphins, to the Buccaneers. And I had a chance to cover the Chargers. And I know you would say the Chargers have fans. <laughs> I know, right? Okay. But when they were in San Diego and i was covering the team i just i did probably around 10 or 15 broadcast live from their facility and they were they they were near this road called murphy canyon road and i'd be there and there'd be like 5000 people at the practice just to watch the players playing and like helmets and shorts and i'm i'm like this wow And and, But I used to see that everywhere. The Raiders were notoriously great. Their fans show up for everything, man. And I worked on the broadcast team for the Raiders for about three years. And they'd go up to Napa Valley. Holy cow. They would just go crazy. And these are just OTAs. Again, guys in helmets and shorts. And, you know, because of. Pre-pandemic, you never really thought much of it. You know, you're just showing up. The fans are crazy, you know, fanatic in France, pretty close, you know what I mean? And then when the pandemic hit, you start to say, God, there's no fans. And now you're getting a chance to see these these hardcore fans once again getting back to what they truly love. And I've said this before to you. One of the greatest things about sports, especially football, you know, these are all civic pride entities for your community. You know, and I'll, I'll use the Eagles as an example. That, that city, I don't care what sport, wins a championship. You win a Super Bowl in Philadelphia, Hoss, okay? You're, you're, you're a god. Sixers win, okay, it's great. Phillies win, tick up, right? Flyers too. You're the Eagles win. I don't care what you say in that town, you know, it, there's a small portion of me that wants to even throw it into like, like here, I, you know, the Florida Gators years ago, won two back-to-back national championships in college basketball. Do you think anybody in the state of Florida gave a rat's ass that they won back-to-back national championships with Billy Donovan's guys? Or do you think they cared more about what Urban Meyer did winning those national championships in college football? That's a football college, man. Hey, you win two national championships and in back to back succession the same way that those gator teams did with Joe Kim No and them guys and Al Horford. Get this. You're a le- you do that in Kentucky. You're a le- you do that in Indiana, you're a legend. Florida? Hey, that's really great. What are the Gator football team gonna do? There's certain areas, man. You just win, the fan bases go crazy. Like, watch, you win the Sabres win the Stanley Cup. That's great. Bills win the Super Bowl? Got a whole different conversation going, right? There's something about these football teams and these hardcore sports areas. Hey, uh, the Charlotte Hornets win the NBA championship. That might be cool. Carolina Panthers win the Super Bowl. That's something else. Hey, get this. Carolina's a basketball state. It's a basketball state. So seeing the fans at these OTAs, Building back up the momentum for 2021's regular season, I can't wait, man. It really is great. And, and I'm get this, and I'm noticing the fans. I'm noticing them now, right at these OTAs. So I, I, I think it's great. You know, I've said this to you. Let me transition into this here. I, I I've said this to you that the NFL has done a marvelous job at creating. Drama and how they build storylines up. Let me ask you this: Do you think this Aaron Rodgers versus the Green Bay Packer front office is good for business? I think this is sensational for business, because when you tune on a sports radio show, or you tune on a sports show? Do you know what you're hearing? You're hearing people go, oh my God, Aaron Rodgers is really pissed off today. What's going on up in... It's Green Bay, Wisconsin. Do you understand that that's market 287? It's one of the smallest cities in America. But the NFL has taken that story and they have made a... Drama out of it. This thing is a saga now. And you know what it does? It's water cooler talk. This is the best thing on the planet for the NFL. This is marvelous for the NFL. NFL loves this. And it's nothing hard, right? It's OTAs, folks. You're not, you're not winning any games on Sunday. You're not playing for anything on Sunday. Everybody's 0-0, right? I mean... Nobody's losing any sleep over this, but it's making for great coverage. Great conversation keeps you engaged. It's kind of the reality show. I love doing that, right? It's the reality show where you can end up, you know, you know, creating this all the way until we get to the regular season. This is great. I think it's great for business. All right. Tomorrow, we're going to have Rob Parker on with us from Fox Sports, and we will get his thoughts. He's a wild and crazy dude, man. That guy is liable to say anything, and we'll get his thoughts on what's going on up in Green Bay. want to thank Krause, Cal, Big Joe, everybody. And by the way, we really appreciate everybody coming aboard like you do here. We'll catch you tomorrow here on the Jacob Media Channel going 4 to 6 Eastern time. You keep it always right here, 4 to 6, right here on the National Football Show.